those heavy bands and lift up those holy hands and let all God's people praise the Lord. Oh, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all God's people praise the Lord. Shake off those heavy bands. Lift up those holy hands. Let all God's people praise the Lord. One more time. Oh, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all God's people praise the Lord. Shake off those heavy bands. Lift up those holy hands. Let all God's people praise the Lord. And through it all. questions for tomorrow and many times I didn't know right from wrong oh but in every situation God gave me consolation that trials only come to make So through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God, through it all, through it all. times I felt so all alone, but in my lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I'm His own.
I thank God for the mountains And I thank Him for the valleys And I thank Him for the storms He's brought me could I know that God could solve them? How could I know what faith in God can do? So through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I How great is our God, and how great is His Word, He's the greatest one that ever was heard, He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. our God, how great is His Word, He's the greatest one that ever was heard, He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. So how great is our God, how great is His Word, He's the greatest one that ever was heard, He rolled back the waters of the mighty 
Let's sing that song, Since I Saw My Name. Same key, I think. Since I saw my name in the book of redemption, since I saw my name in the book, I have communion now with Christ my Redeemer. Oh, since I saw my name in the book, and since I saw my name in the book of redemption since i saw my name in the book i have communion now with christ my redeemer oh since i saw my name in the book and since i saw my name in the book of redemption since i saw my name in the book, I have communion now with Christ my Redeemer. Oh, since I saw my name in the book, one more time. And since I saw my name in the book of redemption, since I saw my name in the book, I have communion now. With Christ my Redeemer, all oh, since I saw my name in the book. Amen. Let's put it in B flat. We'll go ahead and change the order of the service. Let's sing uh, that song. Let's see. We fall down. Or I'm sorry, more of you. Let's just sing this before we take our needs before the Lord this evening here. More of you, more of you, oh, I've had it all, but what I need is more of you, of me. I've had my 
softly, Brother Matt. We just have a few prayer requests this evening. Uh, we just want to remember uh, Brother Troy Hughes. He's uh, not with us, so uh, he's not feeling well. So we just want to remember them this evening as well. Uh, I have a prayer request by Sister Chanel to continue to remember her Aunt Sherry, uh, who still is in need of a touch from the Lord. So we just want to remember them as well. I just want to ask, too, that uh, if you would remember uh, my grandmother, Sister Shirley, and uh, Amber, they are home very sick this evening, uh, so if you would just please uh, keep them in your prayers as well, as well as uh, we all know, just to continue to remember those in Ukraine, uh, we just want to keep them in prayer, and uh, all those who are not with us this evening, just keep them in prayer as well. If I could have uh, Brother Jaron come up and pray over these prayer requests real quick, and uh, we'll uh, change the word of the service after that. together just approach the Lord Lord we love you we thank you so much for the blessed opportunity God just Lord to come before your presence Lord to feast upon your word believers of like faith God pray dear Lord as we approach your throne that you would cleanse us God from all unrighteousness Lord you would chase away all doubt all fear anything that troubles Anyone in this building, under the sound of my voice, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just take control in this moment, Lord. Lord, we approach you with our needs, God, our special needs before you, Lord. We lift up the prayer requests mentioned, Lord, my Aunt Sherry, God. I pray for her, Lord, that you would just touch her body, give her full deliverance, I pray, God, and restore her, I pray. Lord, I know there's many others, God. Lord, not just spoken or written down on a piece of paper, Lord. People have questions in their heart, troubled with spirits, the enemy facing them on every side, God. But Lord, your spirit is stronger than the spirit that's in this world, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would just move upon the scene in each heart, Lord. Change us, Lord God. Take take out of us, Lord, the stony hearts that we have, God. Lord, cleanse us, God. Change our hearts and make us new, Lord. For we need a touch from you, God. This world crowds into our mind, into our lives, Lord, and tries to pull us down, Father. Lord, but your spirit is ever pulling us upward, Lord. God, I pray that you would lift us, Lord. Lift us up above the clouds of this world. Lord, let us be free to soar in your spirit, Lord, to new heights, Father. God, we love you. We trust you. We thank you, Lord. Bless this service, God. Touch the minister. Speak to our hearts in a special way, Lord. Lord, it's just a Wednesday night, God, but Lord, we've, we've come and we've assembled, Lord, for we know that you have something for us. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us. Lift us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. Let's keep it in the same key there, uh, B flat. And uh, if you would just pull up the song, All I Want to Do. And before we sing that, I don't have any special, so we'll just sing a couple songs before the minister comes this evening. Uh, But just a quick announcement, a reminder that uh, this weekend is Easter Sunday, so get your fancy outfits ready and all that for pictures. And uh, But feel free to invite some people. Easter Sunday is a good time to invite others to come to church, but also come early. 
because it'll be full, I'm sure. So let's sing that song, All I Want to Do is Love Him. Oh, all I want to do is love Him. So glad I feel His love for me. And Jesus paid the price of redemption. On the cross of Calvary So every day my heart will praise Him I know I'll never be the same And all I want to do is love Him Love is holy to do is love Him. So glad I feel His love for me. And Jesus paid the price of redemption on the cross of Calvary. So every day my heart I know I'll never be the same And all I want to do is love Him Love His holy name So I know the Master of the I know the maker of the rain, and he can calm the storms and make the sun to shine again. I know the master of the wind. Oh, now I know the master of the
with the tithes and offering. Amen. Let's just put it in D. Let's sing the song, Here I Am to Worship, before the minister comes this evening. So here I am to worship, and here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God, and you're all together.
Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Appreciate seeing everybody here tonight. Amen. It's been a little while, but we certainly enjoy visiting whenever we have the opportunity. I always feel a warm welcome. Uh, I'm not going to prolong the time. I'm going to invite you while you're standing. If you have your Bibles, turn me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Start reading with the twelfth verse. You know, whenever we gather together in his presence, particularly for the preaching of the word, there's always an opportunity to receive something from him. And we can receive something from him anytime at home, it doesn't matter, but in particular when we gather in these type of situations, uh, when there's a gift operating, um, it's an opportunity to receive something from him. A lot of times we think about the prophet, Brother Branham, when people would be out in the audience and they would pray, and a pillar of fire would move, and Brother Branham would leave the prayer line and then turn out to the audience and start addressing the people. And Brother Branham said, it's not me doing that, but it's you using the gift. Well, it's nice, no different. Anytime you have a minister with the gift, whether he's called to be a pastor, a teacher, or a prophet, or whatever he's called to be, it's still the same thing. It's just a man with the gift that's yielding and getting out of the way. But you as a people, you have an opportunity. If there's a need in the building, you can actually pull on that gift and God could direct that Holy Spirit. And that man could be going one way as Brother Banner was going with a prayer line. And then he would stop what he's doing and go out to the audience by what? He said the individual's pulling on the gift. Same as night. I've got some things on my heart I'd like to share with you. I believe it'll be a blessing. But by all means, I want you to pull on the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, if there's something you have on your heart tonight. You pull on that gift of God and say, God, I need you to talk to me. And you can be specific if you want to say, God, you know I've been burdened about this thing. I have a question about this thing, and the minister knows nothing about it, and I don't need to know anything about it. But if you could touch the hem of that garment, God could take my lips and move that gift in whatever direction he needs to in order to address your situation. So whenever you come together in these opportunities, don't let it pass you by. Take that opportunity, and you, you approach God from your heart. You ain't got to say a thing from the lips. And God can move that gift to move according to however you have a need and speak. I had it happen to me just this past Sunday, sitting in a service and the minister's preaching. And I said, God, I appreciate the message going forth, but I really need an answer on a certain thing. And when 15 minutes later, God come back around and answer me. I said, thank you, Lord. But I'm just saying that I've seen it happen and it can happen tonight. So I got some things in my heart, but let God have the liberty and you pull on that gift. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, before we pray. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Before we speak, let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you tonight for your grace. Thank you for your presence that we feel in this auditorium, this sanctuary. Lord, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and for the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come together in your name as mortal beings, Lord, not being worthy, O oh God, but you made us worthy, Lord. You made us kings and priests by your offering, Lord. So tonight I ask that you first forgive us of our sins. Ask you to forgive me chiefly, Lord. Help us to step aside me, O oh God, at this pulpit in the audience, O oh God, that's sitting out before me. Lord, may each one of us put aside our own minds and open up our hearts that you might speak to us. Lord, I pray you use the gift. Speak to every person present. May your Holy Spirit minister the grace that's needed, O oh God, for every need in this hour. We ask these things by the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, 
which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And this is my thought. And he is the head of the body. I'm going to read that again. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again tonight for your grace. Lord, ask and sincerely forgive us of our sins. God, may you use this opportunity. There are needy souls here present tonight, mine included. God, may your Holy Spirit take preeminence. May you take the service and minister to your people. We give you thanks and ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. My title tonight is Headship. Headship. For a subtopic, I'm going to title it, Correctly Dedicated to the Word of God. Correctly Dedicated to the Word of God. Headship. What is headship? Headship is a type of leadership. It means that one person has been elected or dedicated to lead in the matters pertaining to decision. And someone has to be, someone else has been elected by position to follow that headship. So somebody has put somebody in the leadership position, and by the same token, somebody had the authority to put somebody else in a, let's say, a, a position to follow. If you go to a company, you find that people can hire somebody to be a CEO or a president, but then also people in that company can hire somebody to be a loma form management or, or line work or whatever, but somebody has to place people in that position, and when a person places that position, they have to realize by their position what their responsibilities are. So the leadership has to understand you're responsible for the leadership in this company. This company goes up, you get the kudos, this company go down, you got to be accountable. Are you following me? And then the people who are following that headship realizes that when the headship says this is going to be the new system of hours, you got to say, okay, if I'm going to be here in this company, i got to be willing to amend to those hours. Or these are going to be the certain way we're going to handle vacation, this we're going to handle pay, or whatever it might be. When that leadership makes that decision, then those that are behind that leadership, in order for the company to be successful, have to say, you know what, he was put in the leadership position, I'm putting the follow position. If the company is going to be successful, I've got to be willing to follow that leadership. Are you following me? So, so, so if we talk about leadership, there are three steps I want to cover tonight in that law of leadership. The first is the willingness, listen, of the one that ordained to follow. There has to be a willingness to follow another's leadership. And the Bible refers to that as obedience. We find that, that, that obedience is one of the key principles to headship. If you look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Wives, listen, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as if it's fit in the Lord. So we find that one of the forms of headship we find in the Bible was that when Eve was separated from the word and she fell 
and was deceived, the Bible said God turned her heart back to her husband. And Brother Bannon said that's when God established headship of the man over the woman. He said prior to that, they were co-equal. He said, but Brother Bannon says words, she lost her co-equalness when she was deceived and God turned her heart back to her husband and established that headship. That was God's order. So the wives had to be recognized that in that relationship that there was one that was subject, listen, to the decision of another. And I want you to watch this. It said, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. So now even though the husband was given a position of headship, I want you to recognize this. He has an accountability as well. She has an accountability to him. But God gave that man an order on how to treat that wife. Are you following me? So the man still has somebody he's got to give an account to. Let me keep on going. If you go down and you look at um, uh, 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 verse 20, it said, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. So now we have an, another form of headship. We have children that are, are, are following or submissive to their parents. But I want you to watch this. It's also as pleasing unto the Lord. All headship has to do with the order that God has ordained, but it all ties back to one thing. It ties back to God. The wife is submitting herself to her husband in the fear of God. Children are submitting themselves to their parents in the fear of God. But I want you to watch this. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So now again, even though parents have been given a position of headship over children, they still have an accountability. God said there's a right way to be a headship in that home. There's a right way to, to govern those children. So you just can't do it any way you want to. God gave you this order to be a head over that household, but you're going to be accountable to the one that gave you that authority. Just like if a board appoints a president over a company, that president say, I'm the president of this company. But guess what? There's a board of directors that's sitting behind him that allowed him to be in that position, and they can hire him and they can fire him. So he still has some accountability for that position that he holds. Are you following me? It says, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleases, but watch this, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So again, in order to have right headship, there's got to be this sense of accountability. And in every case where God has established headship, where's the accountability? It's all going back to one place. It's going back to God. So in the end of all headship, it leads back to God. Why? Because in Proverbs 5, 21 says, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponderates all his goings. So God is watching the headship. God is watching those that are following. God's watching all of us, how we conduct ourselves. And he's the one that set up the order. Are you following me? And it's up to us to follow and obey and reverence the order that he set up. Are you with me? So in all headship, it rests upon obedience which is a form of surrender to authority or a position of another. The Bible headship and obedience, listen, rest upon something. If we're going to be obedient, what is obedience resting upon? Obedience rests upon faith. Paul says in Romans 1.5, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, Concerning his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now watch verse five, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience unto the faith. So now we start talking about God's obedience. We start talking about God's headship. Obedience is identified by what? Obedience unto the faith among all nations for his namesake. So the first step is faith, but his faith is connected to obedience. Now watch how Paul puts it in Hebrews 13, verse 7. He said, remember them which have rule over you, that's the ministry, 
who have spoken unto you what? The word of God. So Brother Branham said, it's not the man, as the Catholic Church of the nomination would put it, in the terms of a bishopric that lords over the people. He said, but what is it? He said, the man of God has given the word of God. And as he's speaking the word of God, it's the word that's ruling over the people, not the man. The man speaks, thus said the Lord, or the man speaks the word of God. And then the people are coming under that headship, not so much the man, but the word of God that the man is bringing. Are you following me? And I want you to watch this. Who has spoken unto you the word of God. Listen to what Paul says. Whose faith follow. So in other words, when God gives that man a revelation, the reason you're following that ministry is not so much the flesh, but the revelation that God has given that man. You got confident in that man's revelation. That's why you're following that ministry. That's the reason you're here tonight under Hickory Bible Tabernacle, because God placed the headship of a pastor in his facility. Are you following me? And God has given that man a vision for how to lead a people in his last age. And you got confidence in that man's revelation. You see where he's staying with the word. You see where he's bringing the revelation. And that gives you confidence to come to this fellowship. Why? Because you see God moving in that man. Are you following me? Now watch this. Whose faith following considering the end of the conversation or their manner of life. Now watch how Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 1, he said, Be ye followers of me, watch this, even as I am of Christ. So when Paul said follow me, he wasn't trying to get people after the flesh. Are you following me? But Paul had a revelation of the word for that age, and he said, follow me as I'm following something. I'm following the revelation of Christ. And if you believe that God is vindicating that revelation, that gives you confidence. I'm following that man. Why are we still under the ministry of Malachi 4? I never met Brother Branham. I never heard him preach in person. But I've seen the witnesses, and I've heard the testimonies. And I believe God was with that man. And I believe he was with him in such a way that I'm willing to stake my life on the message he preached and give my life to it daily. Believe in what? That revelation he had is the revelation that Michael Holloway should follow. Are you following me? So I'm following the faith that that man had. No different than in the book of Genesis. When God had two young boys to come worship, one name was Cain, one name was Abel. And when both boys approached God according to their knowledge or their thinking, guess what God did? God vindicated Abel's revelation. And when Cain got distraught, what did God tell Cain? Do as your brother did. In other words, you see where I vindicated. Follow his faith. Why? Because I'm moving along that revelation. So we ought to have obedience, but the obedience has to be under something. It's unto faith, and not just any faith. It's a faith that God is vindicating. Amen. Let me keep moving. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. So I want you to watch this. Obedience and leadership, obedience to leadership is based upon the word, or I should say it like this, it's based upon faith, but it's based upon faith in the word. Remember Colossians, Colossians three eighteen. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So it doesn't mean following everything because if he's doing something not right. God's not saying following everything, but you follow it as that man is leading by the word. That's how you follow that headship or you follow him. Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents. How? In the Lord. Everything is tying back to the word. Why? Because God is the supreme headship. Let me keep going. So one step is obedience and step two is what? Faith. And this step three is what? Something had to motivate obedience, faith. Well, what's motivating faith? Something has to be a motivating factor for faith to work properly. For godly faith to work properly, it must have a motive. And the motive, according to the scripture, must be love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5 says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith that worketh by what? Love. 
So in order for faith to really operate properly, there's got to be a motivation for your revelation. There's got to be something that grips that revelation that makes it what it is and brings God on the scene. And the Bible says it's love. Why love? Because God is love. So all that we're looking at in headship ties right back to one thing. It ties right back to the source of all headship, and that's God, for God is love. Faith comes by the word, which is God, or you follow me? Faith operates by love, which is God. Everything has to operate by God because he's the source of all headship. He's the one that ordained this order we call headship. Now, I want to look at Christ as our example. Jesus Christ also lived under this law of headship. He was God in the flesh, but as a man, listen... He lived under headship. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse one to three says, be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. But I will not. I would have you to know that the head of every man. Listen, watch this order is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Christ had a headship. He was God in flesh, but in flesh as a man, he submitted himself to obedience. He had a headship. Now, I want you to watch this. So God is the head of all things, even Jesus Christ. Is that way now? Is that way when he was on earth? And listen, it will be that way throughout all eternity. God will be in that same order. Man over the woman, Christ over the man, and God over Christ. I want you to watch this. Colossians chapter 15, verse 22. He says, for as Adam all died, for as an Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Every man in his own order, Christ the first few, after that they that are in Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, listen, even the Father. When all thing comes to an end, guess what? Everything that God had given to Christ, guess what Christ does? Christ offers that all what? Right back to God. Why? Still under the same headship. Just like you and I, even though Christ has redeemed everything and bringing it back into our hands as sons and daughters of God, Brother Brown said, when we receive that crown on that day, what are we going to do with that crown that he gave us? We're going to do what? We're going to give it all back to our headship. Are you following me? There's an order that God has established. Now watch this. He says, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power... For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that should be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, speaking of Christ, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him, which was God the Father. And when all things shall be subdued, listen unto him, that's Christ, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So even in eternity, guess what? Christ is going to be a God manifested in flesh, but even in that form of manifestation, he'll still be the Son, guess what? Subject to God, the invisible God, the Father. I'm just trying to show you this order of headship because I want you to see where we're coming to in this hour. So Jesus Christ, by... Jesus Christ is under the headship of God the Father. Why is this? The Father, according to the scriptures, is considered to be greater than the Son. Even though Christ, the Bible said, was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, even though the Bible said he was co-equal with the Father, yet in office now, I want you to get this, in office, when he came to earth as a son, he had to be willing to accept that office that God the Father, by the scriptures, was considered greater. 
Are you following me? So in order for obedience, in order for headship to work, somebody has to be willing to accept the terms of that headship. It can't get into a take a man and a woman get married. And the Bible has said the man will be the head of that household. A woman can't get into a relationship and say, well, I don't agree with his headship because I don't like the decisions he's making. That's a decision you've got to make before you get into that relationship. You don't get into a job and say, I don't like the way that boss is leading. That's a decision you've got to make before you accept that position. Once you're in that position, that's not the time to try to renegotiate. You have to understand there's an order, and there's an order for a reason. And as long as you follow that order, it avoids confusion and allows things to work a whole lot smoother. It wouldn't make any sense to come here and say, well, Brother Barry has service on Wednesday night. I think we should have a vote and try to move it to Thursday night. If God is leading him on Wednesday night, he's going that way for a reason. Are you following me? It's not for there to be dissent, but for people to recognize I've accepted the order of headship and I'm willing to follow what God has established. Amen. Now I want you to watch this. So the father is considered greater than the son even though the son was considered co-equal. Watch what it says in the book of St. John chapter 14. You have heard how I said unto you I go away and come again unto you. That's Christ speaking. If you love me you will rejoice because I say I go unto the father. For the father, listen, is greater than I. Now, one thing that made God greater, if we can look at it this way, is if they were co-equal, one thing that made him greater was when Christ came to earth as a man, the Bible's talked about how he emptied himself. When Christ came as a man, he didn't come to earth knowing all things as God omniscient. He actually came to earth as a man and actually became subject to an earthly mother and father. I want you to follow this. And then from the earthly mother and father, when he went into his ministry, he became subject to a heavenly father. Are you follow me? And he didn't know all things. The only one that knew all things was God the father. So as the son, the reason he came under the headship of the father, because only the father knew all things. And it was this knowledge of the father that was beneficial to leading the son. That's why you children, a lot of times you might look at certain things and say, well, I see things a certain way and I think it ought to be like this. But I'm going to tell you from experience, there's many things that you might think you know that mom and dad, by life's experience and by spiritual experience, they will see things in life that you hadn't come to understand it yet. And it would do you well to give heed to what they're saying because there's a wisdom of their knowledge that you hadn't attained to yet. So even though Christ was God Almighty in the flesh, he had emptied himself of that omniscience of knowing all things and he depended upon the leadership. Of God the Father. Watch this in the scripture. If you look at St. Mark chapter 13 verse 28. Jesus Christ says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When she put it forth her branches yet tender and put it forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner when ye shall see these things come to pass, know ye that it is not even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass until all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. What was he talking about? He was talking about the end time. He was talking about things that was coming. He was talking about the second coming. But watch this. He didn't even know the day of an hour of his own second coming. God alone held that mystery. So as a son, he didn't know all things, but the father did. And he, knowing this, trusted the leadership of the father, even when, listen, it didn't necessarily make sense to the son. I want you to get this now. Even when it didn't make sense to the son, he knew that the father's wisdom could not be passed because God knew all things. So when the son had one thought and the father had another, the son always followed the leadership of the father. Watch what he says. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the son, that's speaking of himself, but the father. So when it came to his own second coming, 
He said, I myself don't even notice at this time. But in the hour when it's needed, God's going to reveal it to me and then I can reveal it to you. Are you following me? So there was an order for this. Why? Because the headship is where decisions are made. And Christ subjected himself to that headship because he knew that the wisdom of the father was greater than all man. Now, let me keep going. So the son lives by the faith of his headship. If you look at John chapter, uh, say John chapter five, verse 30, Jesus Christ said, I can of my own self do nothing. But as I hear, I judge. He waited on a leadership of the father. Are you following me? That's what made the headship work. There was one that was willing to accept leadership and there was one that was willing to be subordinate or to follow leadership. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will. Now watch this, but the will of the father, which has sent me. So as a man, he learned obedience and he learned it under headship or how to be led by the father, by his spirit. And that's the way it is with all headship. Somebody has to lead and somebody has to follow. Now, I want you to watch this next point. It does not mean, listen, that two people always have the same thought and will see eye to eye on every matter. If you're always going to see eye to eye on every matter, they don't need for headship. But the reason for headship is because guess what? You ain't going to always see eye to eye. It doesn't mean that the person that's not the headship don't have a right to ask questions. It don't mean that the person that's not the headship don't have the right to say, I have a thought on the matter. But what it means is that when those thoughts cannot agree, I want you to catch this. When they cannot agree, somebody has to be the tiebreaker. Somebody has to be in the position to say when there doesn't seem to be an agreement, somebody has to say, because of position. I've been given the authority of headship, and I'm going to lead in this matter. And then the other person say, because I've accepted headship, I'm willing to follow that leadership. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. So the purpose is to avoid the confusion. Let me give you an example Brother Branham gave concerning a woman. And I'm sure you all familiar with the testimony, but I want to read it to you. It's a long testimony, but bear with me. Brother Branham said, many of you old-timers here remember when Bonifer had there on the corner... It's called Brown Derby now, I believe it is. So hanging around down there, and the first thing you know, one night come up a question about the church and about Christians. One of the old drunks said and said there, there ain't no such a thing as Christians anymore. And there is no such a thing. All this bunch of hypocrites said, you see them out there smoking and drinking, going and doing the same things that we do, said they call themselves Christians. He said, there is no such a thing. So here this man was at a bar that was back then in that day called Boniface, and he was simply saying this, I don't believe there's no such thing as Christians, he said, because I don't see the testimony of a Christian life anymore. A life that's so dedicated to the headship of Christ that Christ can be made, listen, that Christ can be made manifest by leading that individual. And by his leadership, he was able to be able to manifest that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same thing is true of Christ. Even though that Christ was not the only preacher in his day, are you following me? They were other priests, but yet Christ was so under leadership of the headship that God could use him and vindicate that the promise and power of God was just as real in his age as it was in the days of Elijah, as it was in the days of Moses. Why was it? Because God had a man he could put his hands on that was coming under that headship, and God could use that man to vindicate his word. Now watch this. This man said, I don't believe there's no Christians. Why? Because they hadn't seen the testimony of a life that was so living under that headship of Christ that it manifests itself to that generation. But watch what this man says. He says, look at these men over here that call themselves Christians. And they do the same things we do. He said, this one drunk raised up and said, this one drunk raised up and said, just a minute. 
There is one that I know about. So there was a man here in this dispute about these drunken men and saying, yeah, there's no such thing in Christianity. And yeah, I think they're all hypocrites. And yeah, they don't live no different than we do. There was one man that rose up in a group and said, wait a minute, boys. I know one. They said, who is it? He said, it's my wife. Can you picture that? A man at a saloon, half drunk, and standing up giving testimony. My wife's a real Christian. And they're probably looking at him like, well, why are you here? Are you following me? But I want you to watch this. He says, my wife is, see, she becomes salty. He was catching it all the time. (laughs) He hadn't given in yet. But he was watching her all the time. Now watch this. He said, I bet if she was put to the squeeze, that's what the other man says. I bet if she was put to the squeeze, he said, no, the husband says, she'll still be a Christian. I'll prove it to you. Said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's go up to home and I'll show you whether she's a Christian or not. She had lived such a testimony. He knew what her life could withstand. He knew in the face of difficult what the life in her would do in the face of opposition. Watch this. He says, let's go up to home now and let's be really drunk. We're going to act like we're really drunk. Knock on the door, come in staggering over everything while the chair's sitting around like this way. So these men come into the house and they were all acting like real drunk men. I don't know if y'all ever seen drunk men, but I know what a drunk man looked like. I grew up in the house with a drunk man. And when they come in sometime and they're staggering and they're bumping into things, they're knocking things out of position. So this lady had a house all pretty up like ladies like. And here come these drunk men walking in the house and they're just knocking around this pretty house that she's wasting her time, not wasting her time, but took her time to put in order. Now they're bumping things. Are you following me? But I want you to watch this. Staggering over everything. Why? The chair's sitting around this way and everything. And she listened. And she set them all a chair as his guests, you know, and tried to make them feel just as welcome as could be. She didn't come in and say, these men messing my house up. They come in acting like a bunch of drunk men and smelling like drunk men because they just left the bar. But I want you to get this. Brother Brown said that life of Christ in her tried to make them feel just as welcome as they could be. Now, I want you to watch this testimony. And so she went out and fixed some and said, and he said, the husband said, we want some ham and eggs. He know, listen, he know they had it. So they fixed the ham and eggs and he got there at the table. He looked at them like that, picked up his plate, slammed the stuff on the floor, said, you know, I don't like my eggs like that. Come on, boys, let's get out of here anyhow, like that. And then they went out and sat down like that, you know, and she come out. She said, dear, I'm sorry I didn't get I didn't get them fixed. I'll fix some more for you. Now, first they come in knocking the furniture around, bumping the little display on our coffee table. Now she took about half hour, 45 minutes to make them some ham and eggs. These drunk men sitting around the kitchen table. And when she put the food on the table, instead of her husband saying thank you, he picks the food up. Throws it on the floor and said, boys, let's get out of here. And you'd have thought she said, I'm glad she they're getting out of my house. But I want you to watch headship. Headship has to work by faith. And faith has to work by what? Love. Even though they weren't treating her right. Even though her husband wasn't treating her right. She still recognized that by God's divine order. Who was the head of that home? He was. And as the wife, she wanted to make him feel welcome with his drunken friends in his own home. Are you following me? 
But now watch this. She said, I'll fix some more for you. He said, oh, nonsense. He said, you know what I didn't like him that way to start with. Just carrying on like that. Trying deliberately to give her every occasion to break down and show that maybe there's a little anger down there. Or maybe there's a little resentment down there. Or maybe there's a little bit, well, I don't have to follow you no way. He was giving them boy. He was doing it for their sake because he knew how he had been in the past. And he had seen how she had received him in the past. So he knew what was in that woman. And he wanted his friends to see it. But let me keep going. They went out there and sat down and act like they was drunk. They heard her in there kind of sobbing to herself, singing real low voice. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? There's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. This consecrated cross I bear to death shall set me free. She was sobbing. She wasn't rejoicing that they were gone. She wasn't saying, I'm glad that trash is out of my house. She actually, first of all, wanted to serve them because she was serving them as unto the Lord. If he's my headship, I want to serve him even in his decrepit condition. I want to serve him as I'm serving Christ. Are you following me? The Lord. That was really in her heart. So here she is sobbing. One, her service wasn't received. When she really wanted to make him happy with a meal. She wouldn't be a hypocrite. And two, she was tired of seeing her husband in that condition. And she really wanted to live a life that will get him saved. You see headship. It doesn't mean she had to agree with him, but she had to accept the order that God had established. If you can't respect a man, respect the office. Are you following me? Let me keep going. So one drunk looked at the other one, said, she's a Christian. She's got it. Here's this woman demonstrating obedience to headship, even when headship was all out of order. And what is it doing? It's testifying of her faith in the word. And what held that faith? It was the love of her husband and the love of God. If she had loved God only and resented her husband, it would not have worked. But because she loved God and she loved her husband, that made her revelation work. Watch this. And that little woman led her husband plus these others to Christ that night. See, why? Just be real sweet. Just remember, he knows all about it. Now watch this woman. She wasn't just acting out a part because somebody gave her a scripture or gave her a quote. There was something in her heart that really loved God and loved his word that made her want to do it. And because it was done with that kind of faith, with that kind of love, it was salty. And it had the right effect when it made contact. Watch what she did that night. She fulfilled the word of God by obedience, by revelation, and by love coming together on the headship. She fulfilled the word of God. First Peter chapter three, verse one. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own what? Husbands, that if any obey not the word. Oh, wait a minute. Obey him if he's a Christian. Obey him if he brings you candy. And flowers every Friday when he gets off work. Obey him because he says, honey, I love you all the time. And you like the sound of that voice. 
Obey him because the word said so. Listen, and even if he doesn't obey the word with you, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wise. She didn't say, well, honey, you all out of order. Or honey, the Bible said this. Or honey, the word of God says that. She didn't have to preach to him. Her preaching was the life she lived that was so real. Brother Bradham said it was already working on him. And he had so much confidence, it was just a matter of time before it brought him under conviction. And when those men started testifying, there's no Christian. He said, boy, I can't stand that no more. I can tell you when there's a real Christian. Come follow me. And her living led three or four drunk men. Don't give me a number. Several men that night to Jesus Christ. Because she had a revelation of what headship was about. And as Jesus, as a man, listen, I want you to get this. This gets real strong. As a man did not always see eye to eye with God. He said, Brother Holloway, you've got to watch yourself. I'm just talking about scripture. I'll give you a real easy one. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he got down and prayed, he said, Father, he said, if there be another way, let this cup, what? The cup that you're sending, let it pass from what? Before me. Nevertheless, not my, but thy. His will and God's will was not seeing eye to eye. But being that he was under headship, God knew that that cup had to be drank and it had to be drank at that particular hour to fulfill the scriptures. So in order for Christ to fulfill the word, he had to be willing to follow the leadership of what? Headship. Not my will, but thine will be done. As a man, he loved people, especially people that had a need of God because God was in him and that virtue could minister to the people. And he went to the pool of Shalom where the Bible said there was thousands of sick and impotent people. And Christ walked by babies that were dying. He walked by elderly people that were dying. Brother Bram said there were some people that the God didn't get touched that day. They might not make it to the next day. And yet Brother Bram said when Jesus walked into that pool, he walked over many sick and dying people. But did he heal any of them? No. He was looking for one man. Why? He said enough power was in him. He could have sent them all home well. But why did he only heal one man? Because the father said, I'm sending you to one man. My covenant at this pool is not to heal everybody. My covenant at this pool is to heal one when the water is trouble. And so Christ come down that day to keep God's pattern to heal one man. And Brother Bam said, and he had compassion. His compassion wasn't to feel sorry for the people, though he felt sorry for the people. He said real compassion is obedience to God. And he was able to come under that headship no matter how he felt. The father won't mind if I pray for this one. Don't do it. He, he, look at that lady. He won't. He won't. Don't do it. I'll show you who to pray for. You pray for that one and then you leave. How about Lazarus? When Mary and Martha called him and said, Lazarus dying, my friend is sick. And when God, when, when, when they sent that message down to Jesus Christ and he got the word, you know what Jesus Christ want to do? I imagine he got up. You know what he said he's going to do? I'm going to pray for my friend Lazarus. He needs me. And then when he stood up, you know what the Holy Spirit said to do? Sit back down. But Lord, my friend's sick. Sit back down. The Bible said he learned obedience. How? By the things he suffered. 
when there was a human, listen, a human desire to do something, and he had to bring that desire under subjection to the word in order to follow the leadership of his father. He was a man that was never disobedient, but how did he learn obedience? When you want one thing, and headship says something else, you learn obedience by saying, I'll surrender my will, knowing I'm under the office of headship. And a husband and wife is just a type. The real headship is the bride of Christ under him. And when you want one thing, and the Holy Spirit is leading to something else, and you say, I'll put my will aside and become a living sacrifice that I might deal the will of the one that died for me. Are you following me? Let me keep going. So watch this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. Not that he was a servant in that sense, but the form of a servant as a man, he became obedient unto the spirit that was leading him in all things. I want you to watch this. And was made in the likeness of man and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. You see, in order for there to be headship, somebody has to be humble enough to say, I'm willing to be led. Humble enough to say, I don't know all things. And humble enough to say, even when I disagree, because of position, not because I know. I, you actually sometimes might know more. <laughs> there could be that occasion where the one that's in the following position might actually know more. But if the headship says different, the order headship says they're leading. Are you following me? Let me keep going. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Because the father said, that's the reason I sent you there. At times he had one desire and the father had another. But headship requires obedience in order to work. Now let's look at this obedience for a few minutes. It's not a law of carnal commandments. It means a surrender of one's will to another. Why do we surrender? Because of love. Jesus Christ said, if you love me first. Then surrender and keep my commandments. There's got to be the right motive. You know, because of your love for him, he would never lead you to do anything that wasn't for your own good. He's the one that has the wisdom. He's the one that has the knowledge now, the spirit that he's got from the father and now pouring down into us. And it's by that knowledge of the word, he's able to lead and guide us into all truth. Are you following me? It's his wisdom that we're to follow. He's the head of the body, the what? Church. And the body becomes subject to whatever the head is leading her to do. And if we're going to question the headship, then there's a disconnect in the body. Are you following me? Let me keep going. Now watch what motivated Christ. In the message of conferences, Brother Brandon said, in the message of conference with God, there come a time where the spirit was leading the lamb. The dove, there had to be a conference between the lamb and the dove, and they formed a place to set it. After the supper that night, they crossed over a little brook, Cedron, or somewhere, and went across the brook and went into a garden called Gethsemane. They had to have a conference. God and Christ had to talk it 
over. The headship and the son had to have a discussion. Watch this. The lamb and the dove had to sit together. It was a dove that had a little had to talk to the lamb, and it was the lamb's death. Now then, they sat by this rock, and all the angels came around from heaven to listen to this conference. Oh, wow. He said, there was Gabriel, Michael, Wormwood, all thousands of them sitting around the rock. He said to his disciples, wearied. They had lots of big meetings. They was tired, perhaps, like you are this morning. But he said, will you just watch with me for an hour? For I've got to go yonder and have a conference. I have to go alone. And, and when and the conference was set, the lamb, young and beautiful life, never a life like that. The never was, never will be a life like that lamb had. But now the father said, listen, are you willing? Watch the question. Christ asked the question, is there another way? He was not out of order asking the question. That doesn't mean he's being disobedient to headship. Asking a question for a child, asks a parent, well, mama, should I do it this way? You say do it this way. Why am I doing it? That's not out of order. They're trying to understand. The out of order comes that when the answer comes back and you still say, I don't want to do it. That's when you got a problem. Christ was not out of order asking a question. But when the father gave the answer, immediately understanding headship, he said, not my will. I've got your answer. That will be done. Now watch this. Never was, never will be a life like that lamb had. Now the father said, are you willing? Is your love for your brethren great enough? Christ had the revelation it was time for the sacrifice. He had the revelation it was time for Calvary. But what put him with that revelation? What motivated him to walk through with that revelation? The father asked him one question. Not do you believe it's time. You met Moses and Elijah. They already told you it's time. You came off the mountain looking towards Jerusalem because you knew it was the hour. But what made him go through with what he had to do? Love. Some of you here tonight have been sick and God healed your body. Why did he take those stripes? Love. He saw your sickness coming. God said, will you take it for them? As a man, you don't want to go through it. I understand that. But will you take it for their sake? All of us were born in sin. No hope at all, except there was a redeemer. Are you willing for their sake to become their redeemer? Yes, Lord. Why? Because he looked forward to the day where you and he are going to sit down somewhere in eternity and have fellowship with that body. He can show you those hands that were scarred for you. That side that was scarred for me. Are you following me? Let me keep going. Are you willing? Is your love for your brethren great enough? Is your love for that sinful, stinking world that you were born into? Do you love them enough to forfeit your life? Do you love them enough to take their place, to bear their sins? The hardest, crucial death. There could be nothing die that kind of death but him. Love brought obedience. To his revelation. Love brought obedience to his headship. What does we need tonight? I believe the bride of Jesus Christ needs one thing, probably more than anything else love. A love for God, a love for fellow man, a love to put yourself aside 
skip a meal to bring this body into subjection. Not by a carnal commandment, because the love says, I need to consecrate myself. Listen, for their sake. Not for your sake. Now, I'm going to close. I want you to catch this thought. Love does it not for what they're going to get. Love does it for what the other person is going to get. And love does it not asking nothing in return. I'm not asking for your accolades. I'm not asking for your pat on the back. I'm not giving you a debt that you got to pay back. I'm doing it because I love you. And I'm giving up my rights that I have in order that you might be blessed by my sacrifice. The Bible said God so loved the world. Brother Bradham said when God saw us down here in our sins, he said, what was it? His love for you projected Jesus Christ. He said, I can't let them go. I've got to come down and do something, which means I've got to die for them myself. He said, he wasn't sending another person. Then that wouldn't be the same thing to say, you go die for somebody else's sin. He said, God came himself and died for us. Why? His love constrained him to do what he did for you and I. His revelation of your need projected a love for you and I. Now our revelation of him Is it real enough to bring a life under obedience? Not a law. Catch this now. Law works by fear. If I don't do it, he's going to get me. No, I ain't, I'm not talking about that. If I don't do it, I'm going to lose. So, so, so. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a love that says he's already given me eternal life then why are you sacrificing because he wants me to sometimes a man will go to work and work an extra job or extra hours when his body says sit down but his love says I got a family that needs me I'm not doing it for myself the love for that family has me doing this Sometimes, like Brother Brown said, his mother, when there wasn't enough food to feed the whole household, she would go days without eating to make sure she had enough for the kids that were sitting around the table. She had just as much right to take a bite of that bread, but she would skip it to make sure they had what they need. Are you following me? Love constrains a person. Paul said, we go out and witness. Why? The love of Christ constrains us. The same way he saw your need, you see somebody else's need. And something in you says, I can't hold back. Love says, I've got to do this. Are you following me? When our faith to this word, I believe God gave us the greatest message he could give us at any time. We've got the opening of the full word. But what does that faith need now? It needs somebody that's willing to come obedience to it. But what's going to bring that right kind of obedience? Not fear. Not somebody legislating and saying, you got to do this, you got to do it that way. Well, if I don't do it, they're going to look at me funny at church. <laughs> if I don't do it, Brother Barry's going to preach on me. No. I'm going to do it because something in my heart is constraining me. The one that's watching all things. Listen, I want him to be 
happy. I closed my pad, but can I read one more quote to you? Let me show you what Brother Bramble says about this love. And then I'm going to let you go. Christ revealed in his own word. Brother Bram said, they said, how was the Bible? People say, I was riding with a man not long ago, said, think of it. We're here on earth the way we are, and the only thing we know or can only thing can say we're saved by is some Jewish fable called the Bible. Brother Bram said, sir, I don't know how you can say that, but I don't believe it's a Jewish fable. He said, well, you pray. What do you pray to? I asked a so-and-so and a certain thing. I didn't get it. I said, you pray wrong. You should never pray to change God's mind. He's the headship. Listen, we should pray to change our mind. God's mind don't need any changing. See, see, it's right. He said, not what he said, not what you pray for. He says, I know a young Catholic boy one time had a prayer book saying prayers for his mother to live. And she died. He threw the prayer book in the fire. Well, see, I don't go for the prayer book, but anyhow, see, you take the wrong attitude. You're trying to tell God what to do. You see how the headship gets out of order? I'll serve him if he'll do this for me. That's not the right motive. You're not serving him for what you can get. You're serving him because of what he's requiring or what he's asking for, and your love for him wants to please him, and that's why you do it. Watch this. Prayer should be, Lord, change me to fit your word, not change let me change your mind. You change my mind. You see, your mind don't need. He said, see, you change my mind to your will and your will is written here in the book. And Lord, don't let me go until you got my mind set like your mind. And then when my mind is set like your mind, then I believe every word you wrote. And you said in there, you make everything work together for good to them that love you. And Lord, I love you. It's all working together for the good. Now watch this. It's been a week down in the countries staying with some dear friends, and I asked some of them at the table yesterday when we was eating, we always sat around and like a little study of the Bible was talking about love. Now watch this. This has to be the motive. And there was a certain person said to me, he said, I believe you're an antichrist. Now I want you to watch the love of God. I said, if that would be pleasing to my Lord, that's what I want to be. He loved God so much he said, if that would make God happy for me to be an antichrist, that's what I would want to be. Now, watch how he puts that. Now, watch the context. I said, if that would be pleasing to my Lord, that's what I want to be. I want to be whatever he wants me to be. I love him. And if he should cast me into hell, I'll still love him. Now, watch the, watch the context. If I go with the same spirit I have now. So he wasn't saying that just to be saying it. Actually, there was a love in his heart that loved God that much. He wanted God to be happy above his own flesh and desire. No man wants to be Antichrist. No man wants to go to hell. He said, but the love that's in me loves him so much. If that's what he wants, I want to do it just because that's what he wants. Now, watch this. He looked at me kind of strange. I seen four or five of them there. Young men, young wives, fine women. I know them boys and girls, boys love their wives. I said to them, I said, here is the way you test your test it. If your wife before you were married, now go back this married life. You've been dreaming. 
you were married. So he says, now, these boys really were married, but he's telling them, let's pretend all this time you've been married was just a dream. And you woke up in the morning and found out we hadn't had the ceremony. We hadn't been engaged yet. I just dreamed we were married. Now, watch this. You really wasn't married, but you dreamed you were. And you woke up and you went and talked it over with your girlfriend and said, you know, I dreamed that we were married and we had children. We lived happy, waiting on the coming of the Lord and everything. And then this girl would say to you, you know, I love another man better than I love you. I could be happier with the other man. Now, watch how love doesn't look for your your motive or your intention. Love looks for what's going to benefit or make the other person happy, even if it doesn't make you feel so good about it. Watch this. You know, I love the other man, Ben, and I love you. I could be happier with the other man. Brother Ben said, could you from your heart love her well enough to say, God blessings rest upon you, my dear. Go with this other man. Now, check that each one of you men with your women, see? Well, if you love is correct, you would do that, for you are interested in her welfare. You see how love projects? It's not looking at what you get. You're looking at the other person. So when headship is not looking at what you get, when headship is looking to the other person, it makes obedience a whole lot different. You're not doing it because of what you're hoping to get. You're doing it because you know it's going to make the other person happy. Let me keep going. Well, if your love is correct, you'll do that for you're interested in her welfare. What? He said, you know, you could have her. You could live with her. She would marry you. She'd be your wife. But she wouldn't be happy. She would be happier. And then if you love her, then you want her to be happy. Therefore, whatever, listen, therefore, whatever the will of God is, let God's will be done whether I'm happy with it or not. I want to live so he'll be pleased with what I do. You see the obedience. You see the headship. So when the word says go a certain way, if the love is there first, When the revelation comes, listen, if the love is there first, when the revelation comes, the obedience follows because love is what's leading it. Without the love there first, without the life of God in you, without the Holy Ghost pulsating in your heart, we're going to be tied to this world. And we're going to always have that struggle because we're trying to wrestle between the man and his flesh and his world. But if there's a change on the inside, then that love can constrain you. It doesn't mean there won't be a challenge. It don't mean there won't be a temptation. But there's something there that anchors you that can guide you through that temptation. Are you following me? How many love him? Christ is coming this age of that capstone. I believe there's a bride on earth right now. That the fullness of that divine love can rest upon and make itself manifest. Because day by day, she's being conformed, not to this world, but she's being transformed by the renewing of her mind. That she could prove what is his good and his acceptable will of God. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight for your grace. I want to thank you for these people, Lord, that have purpose in their heart. Lord, they've heard your call in this hour just like I have. Lord, we stand together. Lord, none of us are worthy, but there was a worthy lamb. Lord, I ask tonight, may you make your revelation so real to our heart that will change us. 
It will change us from what we were born into this world to a new creature in Christ. A creature so changed by your word, by your faith, that it creates a love in our heart that passes all understanding. God bless everyone on the sound of my voice. May you touch their hearts tonight. May they leave here not with the same mind, but even more dedicated to your word. Not by a carnal commandment, but by your love living in them. The same love that constrained you to come to earth. Now that same love is in them, constraining them. Lord, as we desire to go back to heaven from whence we came. Lord, bless this church. Bless this ministry. Bless this pastor in his absence. Lord, may we continue to follow your leadership. Lord, for you'll never lead us the wrong way. Granted by your grace. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Musicians will come. How many love him? Amen. The right love will bring obedience. God bless you. You would stand. Let's sing that song, Keep Your Mind. We'll just sing a couple songs here before we dismiss this evening. Keep your
Put it in the key of F, and we'll just sing this as you dismiss this evening. Just to remember all the prayer requests we had and those who are not with us, and just remember each other in prayer. And uh, we will see you on Sunday. Let's sing that song, "Be It Unto Me." So be it unto me, according to your Yeah.